It sounds like a bunch of horses asking me some questions. Hi, and welcome to Meet Your Heroes podcast, the podcast where every week we spend 40, 45 minutes in our closet shit-talking people from history. I'm Audrey. I'm Elliot. And uh, this week, Elliot's in charge of the research. He is sharing with me uh, the life and times of a hero from history. So, why don't you get us started? History's the... We're going pretty recent with this one. Okay. 20th century. Okay. Madonna. Well, bigger than Madonna. Lady Gaga. (laughs) Bigger than Lady Gaga. Beyonce. Dare I say... No, I won't actually say that. But what Never I never say <laughs> anyone is bigger than Beyonce. Here's what Don't I will you say: dare. This person is objectively the single most admired human of the 20th century. Gallup oh. Gallupole mm. of Americans. This person is the single most admired person in society. Also happens to be. A Nobel Prize winner. I never trust a Gallup poll. It sounds like a bunch of horses asking me some questions. All I'm saying is... <laughs> Nobel Prize, not Beyonce. All right, let's do this. Today, we get to meet Mother Teresa. Yikes. Personal, personal favorite. Got a lot to talk about. Sure. Yeah. Wow. That's big. Mother Teresa, assumed name, right? So I, I mean, yes, sure. Yes. I, I don't imagine she is born. And <laughs> her mother is like, look at this little Mother Teresa. Yes. So, uh, 1910, Anya Goncha-Boyajiu. Uh, same root as Agnes. So we're, we're going to call her Agnes here. Got it. Agnes is born northern Macedonia. Not even sure where that is on a map. Uh, if you go up from Greece, okay, right, you're traveling north before you get to Poland. Mm, then no Poland was north of Greece. <laughs> <laughs> you are in northern Macedonia at the time, Albania. Okay, uh, mm, but almost like that name better. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, Agnes is born in uh, Skopje, now the capital. Trust you. She, uh, her father dies when she's eight. Mm. Her mother is very religious, mm-hmm. and. Uh, she grows up hearing stories about missionaries in India, mm. right? Uh, so by the time she's 12, she's convinced this is what she wants to do. Um, when I was 12, I wanted to marry a Backstreet Boy. <laughs> so maybe don't trust 12-year-olds. Well, <laughs> unlike your lack of commitment to your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, it was Lance from NSYNC. Which really would not have worked out well for either of us. I mean, evidence points to no, <laughs> but dreams point to yes. Dreams point to yes. It's um, that bleach. So Agnes here decides at 12, she too wants to be a missionary in India. Uh, 19, ships off to India. She's going to be a teacher at this uh, school that the nuns have in Calcutta. Um, and so from 19 to like her mid-30s, She's a teacher just hanging out in the school in Calcutta doing run-of-the-mill nun teaching stuff. Okay. She's riding a train one day. God tells her, go and uh, go and, and work with the poor. This is what she's decided. She's mm-hmm. like, I got to be, I have to be in it now, right? Okay. Um, 
So she gets a couple months of medical training the next year. Oh, uh, months well, of medical training? We're, we've like just, any good doctor? We've hit a theme. <laughs> uh, there's no aspirations to be a doctor here. This is okay. a... Um, this is a very rudimentary approach, which will be a consistent theme. Okay. Uh, the Vatican signs off on this, right? Called the Missionaries of Charity. Uh, and unfortunately, this is uh -oh. where our story is going to take a hard turn and never recover. Oh. Because Agnes here started off in a school. Instead of Mother Teresa, can we call her Mama Agnes? <laughs> I'm going to call her Agnes. Okay. But you are welcome I might to call, call her, her Mama, Mama Agnes. Agnes. <laughs> yes. Um, she decided that a school was not really in the suffering business enough, right? She And so she decides wow. to open her first hospice, mm. right? Ah. Uh, so on her 42nd birthday, she opens Mother Teresa's uh, Kalingit home, Kalingit's a city, home for the dying destitutes. Oh. Um, what a name. By choosing this name, I think it's a pretty strong message about who's welcome. One, you need to be destitute. Sure. Two, you need to be dying. Mm. Turns out everybody who comes in is destitute. Not everybody who comes in is dying when they come in. <gasps> but when they come in. Oh, turns out a lot of people who are not dying when they come in are going to be dying by the time they leave. Um, this is a free hospice for the poor. Now, the word hospice has connotations in the West right now, and you right? you worked at a hospice. I, I volunteered at a hospice. Yeah, that was a turning point in your life, right? Yes. I've, so this is near and dear to my heart because I've worked in hospices, volunteered in hospices, not professionally, volunteered. And a hospice now is a place where people with like six months or less to live can go and receive palliative care, which is sure. to say that is care that like helps them make peace with their death and also like physically comfortable yes. and like puts them, like treats the symptoms, even mm -hmm. if there's not hope for treating the underlying disease. Sure. Um, people who were brought here, right, were theoretically. So the first thing is that when uh, Agnes here opens up her home for the dying destitutes, mm -mm. The goal is like, okay, you're in India, there are Muslims, there are Hindus, and there are Christians as well. Mm -hmm. And the advertising first off says, hey, no matter what you are, you're going to get whatever rituals are for your faith. So Muslim, Muslims will read the Quran, Hindus get water from the Ganges, Catholics receive last rites, right? Sure. But from the very beginning, nobody knows, and, and the outside world doesn't discover until like 40 years later, this is actually a secret let's baptize everybody Catholic operation. So it turns out in their dying breaths, when people are like, you know, just about to pass in the throes of suffering, one of the, nur one of the nurses or one of the nuns will ask them like, hey, do you want a free ticket to paradise? Oh, no. And as long as that person just like nods or winks or anything, they baptize that person Christian against their will oh. and don't tell them or their families if they have anything. So, so all of a sudden, right, the first mission here is to collect souls for Jesus, regardless of whoever you are. Now, again, if you're not religious, it might not make a big difference to you. If you're a religious Muslim or Hindu, you probably care about this and are not a big fan. And in fact, they know it's a bad idea, so they keep it secret from all of the Hindu authorities, right? They're not telling, they're not broadcasting this. It's not until the 90s where this finally comes out. But it doesn't stop them from starting wow. right there, right? What a violation. Yes. Um, yeah, she called it her special ticket to St. Peter uh, later down the line, uh, which everybody who wasn't interested in seeing St. Peter was not a fan of. It's a really cool album title, Special <laughs> Ticket to St. Peter. <laughs> that it is. So if you have a band and you need a album title, you're welcome to have that. But I would like credit in your footnotes, please. Yeah. let's Special Ticket to St. Right Peter. Right in. Let us know. Wow. Holy cow. 
the secret forced conversion to Christianity is one, one of the kindest things that she does to people. Strike one. Wow. Oh, no. So, uh, a few years later, the Vatican, having approved this, takes control of the finances of this operation. And a lot of people who start donating, this is still a small operation, are assuming that they are providing money for, you would assume, healthy food, clean drinking water, medicine, maybe, for okay. people who are living in kind of otherwise pretty miserable conditions. Sure. And this is like the mid-50s? So she's yeah, this 42? Is, this is 1965. So this is like oh, in, in the next decade. Got it. So the, she's like 55. 55. The, the Vatican officially takes over the finances. Wow. Okay. But it turns out that despite the donations coming in, that money is not actually used to improve the living conditions. Uh, because as it becomes clear over this decade, what she's most interested in is she would uh, state it is a quote-unquote a beautiful death is how she put it um she says it's it's for people who lived like animals to die like angels right <gasps> lived like animals yes so, so first of all can, and i'm just going to pause here there's a quick there's a there's a side journey here that i'm not going to take right wow. so there are a lot of indian scholars who are saying that essentially this european woman sure you know eastern european but european woman mm -hmm. comes in a white woman and tells a very familiar colonial tale and because of her association with Europe mm -hmm. is basically held up as a progressive figure despite all of the evidence that we're going to show that she is anything but. Sure. But I don't feel prepared to do justice to the scholarship that's been done here. Right? But we're it is not, apparent in her not, language. We're not uh, qualified to do justice to any scholarship sure. for any topic. I'm barely doing justice to this stuff. Right? <laughs> yeah. Sure. But... So, so her exact quote is, right, a beautiful death is for people who lived like animals to die like angels. Got it. Yikes. Right? There's something beautiful in seeing the poor accept their lot to suffer it like Christ's passion. The world gains much from their suffering. What the fuck? So her goal was not to reduce the suffering. In fact, it was explicitly the opposite. Yes. It was to celebrate the suffering. Because in this religious tradition, if Jesus had to suffer and you get to suffer too, you and Jesus are right there with each other. And that's a great thing. In fact, so she told she told this story uh, without the awareness of what she was saying. But she told the story of a cancer patient that she was telling that pain means Jesus is near to you and suffering was an opportunity to share the passion of Jesus. She said it was like uh, it was like getting kisses from Jesus. And then she shared his response apparently oblivious to the fact that he was making fun of her when he said, please tell Jesus to stop kissing me. Jesus. But she did not see that people weren't exactly looking to suffer more. They wanted someone to help them. This Mama Agnes is trying to get close to Jesus. What? Through other people's suffering? No one ever said that she was not kind to people who were in pain. But what people did say is she frequently pained their pain much, much worse. For example, people who came through and toured her actual hospices, or if, if we can call them that, her houses for the dying destitute, sure. uh, said that, one, she didn't separate out in her mind people who had curable versus incurable diseases. Like the pillar of Western hospice is like, you must be six months from dying because we have no other help to give you. People who were there with infections and pneumonia were put right alongside people who were with tuberculosis and AIDS. And then they shared needles between these people. Wow. And when they shared needles, they would wash them with 
cold water before reusing them again on the other patients. So actively giving people AIDS and tuberculosis that didn't have it when they walked in the door. Cancer patients, for example, were not given painkillers. The, the, the strongest painkiller that she stopped was aspirin. So rather than like actual palliative care that would remove like pain from people, it was give people an aspirin and tell them, don't worry, you're suffering is a really good thing for you. Sounds like she has Munchausen's by proxy. There, I mean, yeah, right. So you could give this a lot of names. Mm -hmm. um, but again, if you go into the poorest of the poor communities, there's not a lot of people there to stop you. Right. Right. You have you have a lot of liberties to treat people as you wish. So was she doing this sort of just uh, was this happening because of ignorance or is this happening because of this like deep celebration of suffering in ignoring all other sort of scientific evidence simultaneous right so we, mm. so you have like untrained young nuns mm -hmm. who are at this point right, we're still talking about like what um 70 65 65, 65 right sure. who are so one example a young nun who has zero training is feeding a paralyzed man right telling him about the joys of suffering for jesus and chokes him to death on food because she doesn't realize he can't swallow because he's paralyzed right <gasps> it is a simultaneous celebration of like how amazing this opportunity is for him to suffer and having no idea that you can't feed a paralyzed person food, right? Like it is just like this, this raucous combination of like no idea what's going on and just like loving every minute of it. Oh no. Um, yeah. Removing toes. No, no, no. Without anesthesia. No, I can't hear this. <laughs> I can't. You know, I can't hear this. Don't. No more graphics. If you want to share graphic details, let me just put my earmuffs on. As Okay, so as no more graphic details, right? <laughs> what we'll say is like over the next like 30, 40 years, as people begin to do exposés, as people start to investigate this, as former volunteers start to come forward, people say like mm. at best, you have a lot of people who are mm. like making it up as they go along and like doing it because with a smile because they know that they're saving souls, right? Wow. Often against people's will, wow. again, with other religions. Wow. Um, so at this point in 65... The key bit of luck that Mother Teresa has for her cause is uh, running into this BBC, uh, this uh, anti-abortion, very conservative BBC reporter, uh, Malcolm Muggeridge, who meets her and is taken with her. He is already like uh, a Christian at this point, but he's going to become a Catholic because of her. He loves this. He just thinks she is a glowing personality. Abortion, contraception and divorce were all illegal most places or were illegal a lot of places. She was radically opposed to all of those under any circumstances, right? Um, and so was he. And so his special, combined with this book he writes two years later, uh, takes her from this, like, little operation to international fame. Right? Imagine. Imagine the burden of caring about how other people live their goddamn lives weighed against giving people AIDS. Um, yes, or or even put, put it put it in other what? terms. Imagine seeing a mother come in with AIDS and multiple children, right, who cannot care for them, and being like, you know what would really doom you? Contraceptives, yes. right? Like, sure, yeah. Family, uh, uh, total lack of family planning or disease prevention. No, none of that. Divorce, domestic violence. Mm -hmm. Go back to him. And obviously we're coming from this from like a very Western American, like modern worldview. But that does not negate the damage that was done. Sure. And also in a right, more limited 
time. Also, the fact that she's coming from this European background and there are people in India pushing for family planning and pushing for divorce reforms so that women can leave abusive relationships. And she is fighting those forces, too. Wow. She would continue to campaign across the world and in India to try to fight these things. Right. Wow. Um, so he does this. So Muggeridge does this special and then writes a book and just loves it. And when when push right because like as he's doing this it's clear that she's not actually helping like alleviate people's suffering right she's celebrating and and frequently increasing people's suffering and and when asked like why right why are you like giving this woman an international platform because this is really where she like takes off into the stratosphere he's like and other people are pushing like wow this seems a little shady yeah and pushing uh, on her like on a smaller scale right but her response is always like we're not social workers. We're not teachers. We're not nurses. We're not doctors. We are religious sisters. This is a quote, right? We serve Jesus to in in the poor. No other reason or other motivation. So, like, there's not false advertising at first that this is just about proselytizing. Sure. But over the next few decades, as the amount of money starts to snowball, it sure seems like what's being sold is one thing and what's actually being delivered is just more nunneries. So on the backs of this, this growing attention, additional press profiles, right? Um, this snowballs into her nomination and win of the Nobel Prize in 1979 when she's 69 years old, right? So about a decade after this like first big press push, uh, this image cultivated gets her the Nobel Prize. And um, at this point, this Nobel Prize just shoots through the roof the money that is pouring into this operation. Mm. Um, the independent is report reports it at at least billions of dollars, right? With a B. Oh, with a B, right across the world. Um, oh. Frequent reports of hundreds of millions of dollars a year coming into the missionaries of charity. Mm. Um, at the same time, you probably want to cover your ears for this. People are reporting uh, children uh, with their mouths gagged open, giving medicine, hands flayed. Uh, to beds, babies bound with closet feeding time, right? Like, just, like, no real actual medical treatment. This is, like, people... This is, like, young girls who signed up to be nuns making it up as they go along and not trying to alleviate suffering at all. Um, Open toilets that people had to share, right? Like, there's no privacy. There's basically just cuts and, like, Mm. people... Hundreds of people shoved into rooms. Uh, And here's the worst part. As the billions of dollars pour in, if the goal was like, oh, we wanted to do better than this, but this was the best we could do by with our means, you would expect this to change? Immediately. You see billions of dollars pour in and nothing improves. I run a nonprofit. If a billion dollars poured in, <laughs> let me tell you how effective we would be immediately. Yeah. Wow. Everything that was run, like it was done on a budget of zero dollars, that was causing suffering back 10 years before mm-hmm. is continued in the exact same way. The only thing this money does is basically increase the number of places where this occurs. So it expands from just one to like hundreds of uh, locations across the world. Um, the external analysis that's ultimately going to be done is really hard because there's all kinds of like laws in India and other places about like public disclosure sure. and they, they don't follow any of them, right? They just like, completely ignore all the public reporting laws but the closest that got, that uh, anybody got publicly was a German magazine Stern estimated that of the millions of dollars that in the given year they did this study um, about 7% was used for charity mm. 
So basically the inverse of how much money should be used on programs. <laughs> yes, right. So so $97. Wow. It's either just going straight to the Vatican or going $93. 93 of every $100 is just going straight to the Vatican. Ah, or, don't like that. Yeah, or just being used to like open additional locations like but not actually being spent on services for the poor. So operations. I mean, overhead, not programs. Y- yes, yes. Um, wow. When when asked, when this all started to come out publicly after her death, somebody asked, like, who is the one that, like, knows where this money is going? Because there, there were reports of, like, the nuns keeping records in... The, she So Mother Teresa disallowed computers, but also disallowed typewriters, disallowed any kind of, like, mm. uh, real spreadsheets. The, the Why? closest... Why? She was like, that is like too technological. So out of maybe it's habit. It's not clear. She the closest they ever found was in some places people would have like black and white marble notebooks and the nuns would like keep track and pencil in the notebooks. Wow. And then after when the notebooks were full, they would erase them and start over and reuse them. Um, yeah, not not a lot of good records. Do you think the IRS would let me do that? <laughs> if so, <laughs> do I have a proposition for you? <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah. Um. Holy cow. After she died, the new leader who came in was asked, like, how are you going to account for this? Like, how much, or no, actually, she was asked, how many donations are coming in? And she said, quote unquote, countless donations. Uh, when they asked who the banker was or who actually knew, she said, God knows, he is our banker. Which. Yo, listen. So, what I'm hearing is a <laughs> very good defense. Okay. If you are currently in jail on racketeering, let me tell you something. Mother <laughs> yes. Teresa's defense is that God is her banker. And I feel like you should just say that. Yeah, it's a, I feel like it's a great line. I don't know if it would work as well for you. So I am going to go on a shopping spree this week. <laughs> and you are not going to stop me. And then when you look at our bank account, I'm going to say, God is our banker. God is our banker. <laughs> Honestly, it's a hard line to come back from. <laughs> that, what, that is a bold statement. So, it is clear at this point that with this PR push, there is incredible money coming in mm-hmm. and not a lot of money actually getting spent on services for anybody. Does it, on the other side, so the $930 million the Vatican got, mm-hmm. are they, is there bank records for them or is it just like Jesus Christ up there counting the dollars? Oh, look, Vatican finances is a whole other can of worms that basically what I can tell you is uh, I do not know. And I do not think that anybody has a good accounting. Mm -hmm. So as you would expect, when Mother Teresa herself gets ill a few years later in 1991, she has um, heart attack, gets some pneumonia, as you would expect, just like everyone she served, she is going to suffer and enjoy this opportunity to like join with Jesus suffering. Mm hmm. Unlike what she provided everybody else. She gets uh, steroids? Gets on a private jet, flies out to the Scripps Clinic in San Diego, gets a pacemaker, gets gets world-class, first-class medical care that, again, she could afford to provide to potentially tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. Could have built, with those dollars, Mm -hmm. could have built hospitals. This was like peak uh wwjd bracelet time oh, do you think she yes. had one on like what would jesus do getting her pacemaker put in? <laughs> there's so get ready somebody's about to throw wwjd in her face no literally really? no literally oh so you know what? This so mother divine intervention so mother Teresa, right has has her health issues 
flies out, gets world class. To this day, the Scripps Clinic boasts about saving her life on their website, right? Wow. So she was not hesitating to spend the money for her own medical care, for her own alleviation of suffering at this same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few years later, in, when she's 83, like so that was 91. In 93, okay. the U.S. had this big savings and loan crisis where uh, Charles Keating, a big Catholic guy, stole $250 million uh, from investors, defrauded them, got convicted on 17 counts. Uh, and in this, also happened to throw like a million and a half dollars towards Mother Teresa. Uh, and Jump change. In return, she wrote a letter to the judge for his sentencing, being like, "Look," she said, "I, I, we haven't, we don't bother with business matters or politics that you're dealing with, but we just know that he's been a good guy." Jesus said, uh, "Whatever you do, the least of my brethren, you do to me." So I urge you to look into his heart. Um, to which. She says, you might find a pacemaker because he also has access to well, world-class medical care. To, to which the, <laughs> the prosecutor here responded just specifically on her asking for this uh, leniency, said, uh, I submit to you that Jesus would actually promptly and un- unhesitatingly return the stolen property to its rightful owners. Yeah. So if you would like to return this million and a half dollars that this criminal gave you in order to get you to write a letter asking for forgiveness for him, mm-hmm. uh, we will put you directly in touch with the people it was stolen from. Right. Didn't he like overturn tables in a temple with a whip and there's coins flying? Yeah. The money changers. Jesus was not a fan. Sure. Yeah. But Mother Teresa didn't respond to that second letter asking her to do what Jesus would do. Mm. Turns out. Probably couldn't hear it over the ticking of her pacemaker. Uh, potentially not. No. Yikes. Yeah. So um she also didn't hesitate to do the same for uh abusers uh sexual abusers in the church the all so she frequently went to bat uh for father peter jameson um since the 60s had been abusing people um asked for her support um she wrote a letter understand this is a gay understand this is a grave scandal but you know we really should like judge in his heart so he can resume this vital ministry they took her advice reinstated him and because of that direct recommendation he went on to molest at least or abuse and molest at least eight additional boys before he was ultimately convicted and removed um so she did manage to to put him back in in his spot uh people around her said that she seemed to have a blind spot where it was much worse for her to a much greater sin in her mind to talk about the sexual abuse than to actually commit it no that it's heartbreaking. Two years later, 1997, she dies. Uh, I remember this. What had been uh, just a week after Princess Diana. I was going to say, I remember Princess Diana, her funeral, and then Mother Teresa mm-hmm. laid in wake for like a week on like for the public. Yeah. In that glass box. I remember it. Yeah. For sure. Um, what had started off as just her and a few people in a school in Calcutta ended up being 4,000 members of her ministry plus... 30,000 employees and like hundreds of thousands of volunteers. Um, postscript here. Sure. Um, she is now a saint. I, I recall so this. So after she died, sure. there's usually like a, a mandatory waiting period right. to, they, make it, to start this process. They like got rid of it, right? They, they, they right waved away. that, kicked it yeah. off. I mean, if you... If $930 million to the Vatican doesn't get you sainthood, what will? I mean... It will. Turns out, <laughs> it turns out it will. Um, so she. So, but here's the thing: to be a saint, you need a miracle to your name, right? Sure. Right. And miracles showing up on toast doesn't count. Yes, showing up on toast doesn't count. Uh, miracles happen left and right in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Jesus did some. There've been a, a few more after that, but they seem to be slowing down. 
uh, with the proliferation of newspapers and other stuff. Those typewriters. Those typewriters get in the way of recording saints true. or of miracles. So you need a miracle. Uh, but luckily, a few years later, 2002, the Vatican recognized the miracle of a healing of a tumor in the, ob- uh, in the abdomen of a woman, Monica Bezra, an Indian woman. She said she had a locket that had Agnes's picture in it. And all of a sudden, a beam of light emanated from it, and her cancerous tumor was cured. Mm. Um, Congratulations. You discovered reflections and chemotherapy. Only complication to this story is, in fact, her 9 to 12 months of treatment for this tumor (laughs) that had been going on, where her husband said um, she'd been undergoing treatment for 9 to 12 months, and that (laughs) was actually what was curing the tumor. Uh, the doctor said uh, it was not a miracle. She took the medicine for nine months, which was the expected amount of time, and then it was cured. His, mm. the, the direct quote from her husband is, my wife was cured by the doctors and not by any miracle. This miracle is a hoax. So they have they had her sonograms, her prescriptions, her physician's notes. All of these things are like, here is a proof. Unfortunately, one of the sisters of the missionaries of charity broke in and confiscated all of their medical documents that showed this was just a regular course of treatment. Seems and the legit. Vatican was like, well, it eh, looks like we'll take it. Sure. No God comment. Got is your records keeper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> God is a banker. God is a record keeper. It worked out great. Wow. Um, yeah. So um, that is, to this day, the official miracle that qualified her for going into the sainthood process. And uh, currently, according to the Catholic Church, that is the miracle on which rests the proof that mm. Agnes lived a heroically virtuous life. I feel like the miracle is that you can do all this shit for eight decades, no one catches you, and then they still call you a saint. Yes. That in and of itself is a miracle. Let's just say. So, what a treat. So she was not officially named a saint until 2016. In 2013, mm-hmm. before this thing is finalized, right? A lot of a lot of terrible things happened in 2016. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that right now. Yes. But in this post-postscript, when you're like, how did she get away with this? There is a on-the-record meta-analysis of all of the media references, literature, actual investigations that have been done into the the charity ministries. And um, this is a group out of the University of Montreal. So these academics like went through, looked through all the criticism, all of the defenses, and they basically said, it is clear that uh, her caring for the sick was glorifying their suffering instead of relieving it. She had questionable political contacts, her suspicious management of enormous sums of money she received, and her overlaid do- dogmatic re- views in particular on contraception and divorce made her a much less clean cut picture than the media portrayals would have you believe. And especially, they said in this meta-analysis, questioning the Vatican's motivations for ignoring this criticism, they found out that her hallowed image, which does not really stand up to any analysis of the facts, was clearly constructed. And her beatification, meaning like making her a saint, uh, was orchestrated by a very effective media relations campaign engineered by the same BBC journalist Malcolm Muggeridge that had invested in her original documentaries that gave her the Nobel Prize. Wow. So wow. what what I think we can say... If you personally are not into mm-hmm. the magnification and increase of suffering of people and secret conversion not. of them on their deathbeds. Oh, hard pass. Very firmly. I want this on record. Very <laughs> against that. Then it, More against that than most things. <laughs> then it does seem like Mother Teresa, Agnes, Mama Agnes, Mama Agnes. Sh- should not be your hero. She is not mine. She is not mine. But that was an excellent telling of her life. I learned just so, so much. Top to bottom, knew basically none of that. Having grown up 
uh, not Catholic. When I was 10, I asked my minister why there were no dinosaurs in the Bible. She couldn't explain that. From that point, I was later days on Jesus. <laughs> it seems like <laughs> there's just a, a much bigger story to be told. Um, if people want to learn more about how much we know about Mama Agnes, Mother Teresa, where can they find us? So, you can... So one, there's all kinds of good source material, specifically on Agnes here. You should look up uh, Hell's Angel, which is a great documentary by Christopher Hitchens. You should also mm. look up the books they've written, BBC specials. Mm-hmm. But if you want to find us, yeah, I was go to say, what's our website? <laughs> go to our website, uh, Twitter and Instagram at Your Heroes Pod or HTTPS colon double forward slash www.meetyourheroespodcast.com. Mm-hmm. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher, and we'd love it if you would. Uh, leave us a comment, like, share our podcast, uh, get in touch. We would love to know who you would like for us to feature on Meet Your Heroes. You can find that form on our website or just get in touch by yelling at us on the internet. Yes. And if any point between now and the next episode, you have the opportunity, please remember, no matter what, don't be a hero. Just don't do it. Talk to you next time. Bye.